0: In this episode, I am joined by Kay Kellum. We are going to be talking about Wizard World San Antonio Comic-Con. I think that's the official name of it. Uh, It happened on August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Alas, we were only there for Saturday because, well, we were still driving back from uh, San Diego Comic-Con or Comic-Con International San Diego 2014 is its probably full designation. And, frankly, we were tired after all of that, so one more day of conventioning is about all I could do. Um, Now, we've both been to the Austin Comic-Con a couple of times. Agreed. That's the only Wizard Ones we've been to, isn't it? Yes. All right. So, I was kind of curious about this one, just in terms of how different the different Wizard Ones are. They're both within easy striking range, normally, granted we... Technically, we drove in from El Paso for this, but that's a fluke.
1: Yes. Well, and we should mention that uh, I think you would phrase it as seasons go for the Wizard Comic Cons, that San Antonio uh, for this year is happening before the Austin for this year.
0: Yeah, they've got, I think, 16 conventions this year on their Comic Con tour. And Austin is, uh, let's see, between San Antonio and Austin, they're doing Chicago... Uh, Richmond and Nashville before coming back to Austin. So it's uh, two months away for for Austin. So we haven't been to that one this year. And Austin this year is going to be on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes. Which is a little odd. So was part of why I wanted to go to this one is just not being entirely sure uh, how much time off i will be able to get for that. Um, It was interesting to go to this particularly right after San Diego, because they're just, they're very different types of cons. San Diego is a stationary once-a-year convention. It is unbelievably huge. We've talked about that at length um, in previous episodes and such. Whereas the approach Wizards taking is a traveling roadshow. Yes. So some of the the booths are going to be the same ones we'll probably see in Austin. Uh, Some will be different, of course. There's local contingents and different celebrities and whatnot.
1: And that's part of what intrigues me is looking at the ad in the program, and I do very much appreciate that they hand out a very nice printed program at each of their conventions. Uh, Looking at the ad in the program for the Austin one, it's in almost entirely different slate, or at least uh, one, two, three, four, five, six... Seven of the actors, I believe, that will be there are different than the ones we saw today in San Antonio.
0: Well, to me, the big draws for the Austin one are Karen Gillan and Matt Smith from Doctor Who. Very true. Which, since I haven't gotten you hooked on Doctor Who yet, means nothing to you.
1: But I can recognize that they are very different than John Barrowman. Who was in San Antonio today.
0: Well... We started the day at uh, the Hampton Inn, actually, because we spent the night there after driving from El Paso. Um, And we ended the day there. One, because that's where we left the car. But uh, driving down from Dallas was Derek Royal of the Comics Alternative. And I I really don't get many chances to hang with him. So when he emailed saying, hey, he was thinking about going to the San Antonio convention, was I? It's like, well, yeah, let's let's hang out a little if we can. And it worked out great because that's where he's staying. We're recording this Saturday evening, so he's right now still at that hotel spending tonight there, whereas we spent last night. That was just kind of ironic that we both independently chose the same hotel. But that meant we spent we started the day there, walked over to the convention center, uh, did the convention and stuff, and we were able to go back to our cars at the same place. And I, I, had a, I have a different plan for this sort of a convention than San Diego. Because San Diego and, to a degree, C2E2, where it's a a bigger show, I spend more of the time walking the floor. This, and again, it's not any sort of a knock on Wizard. They're not as physically big of a show. It's a different type. You can get up and close to a lot of the the, the, uh, actors and celebrities and artists. Actors,
1: you can't dream of getting within a hundred feet of at san diego you can walk within five or ten feet of a convention with wizard
0: same with with artists and stuff i mean uh neil adams you know you could just walk right up you could have spent half the day talking with him if you wanted to
1: And I think he would have welcomed the opportunity to talk with people who knew and appreciated his work. He looked ready and eager for those opportunities.
0: And um, he was in San Diego too, I'm pretty sure, was he?
1: I'm pretty sure, but honestly, there were so many people in San Diego that it's hard to be sure who all was there.
0: Well, and so many things fighting for your time. Whereas because this is a, a regional convention that's traveling, you're able to focus your time Better as well as they have more time to spend.
1: And another reason why I'm glad that this convention is coming to both San Antonio and to Austin is because, same with San Diego, where there are two panels that look interesting but aren't there at the same time in two months, I kind of hope some of those panels I couldn't make it to today will be happening again because I want another chance to hear them.
0: Yeah. Well, they have room on their program, and I, I want to give them kudos for their program because it's a nice, convenient size to hang on to. Uh, it's easy to flip open to the map. It's got both the booths, uh, the floor plan, and the list of booths on the uh, equivalent of a, a eight and a half by eleven page. Uh, and frankly, the booths are bigger sized than they are in the San Diego program, which takes you know four times as much space just for the floor plan and another four times just for the booths here it's easy okay boom i know where i want to go oh this is where steve jackson games is this is where neil adams is this is where you know hastings is or, or what have you so it's a, a much more manageable size to really walk around spend some times at the booth uh, find what you want to find and stuff and, and spend time in artist alley or the autograph area now one of the big surprises to me in the autograph area this time and it, frankly, it made me feel really old. And I know I'm I'm not young, but I don't think I'm this old to be this out of touch.
1: No, I know I'm this old.
0: Apparently, Vine is another social networking thing that has not hit my radar yet.
1: Vine is something I needed a 14 year old to explain to me.
0: That was Derek's daughter.
1: Yes, and I am grateful the 14 year old was on hand to enlighten me.
0: I I, I miss the enlightenment.
1: Okay. Um, ironically, it's something William Shatner <laughs> mentioned. So yes. I guess it took a 14-year-old. That was
0: my first hearing of it. And then when we were down later, and it's like, what is all this screaming going on in the back of the hall?
1: Yes. And I asked a volunteer who was kind of alone manning a position and uh, no line anywhere near him. So I'm like, well, okay. He was he's, at
0: Jason David Frank's booth yes. when Jason David Frank wasn't there because I think he was off doing a panel or something.
1: He was. He was. So this volunteer was just kind of holding down the fort but didn't have you know, people to deal with. So I thought, okay, he he has a moment to answer a question. I just walked over and I said, why am I hearing girls randomly screaming at the top of their lungs at intervals I can't decipher? And he said that from what he understood, there were four boys who were posing for photos and signings, And there were hundreds of preteen girls and teenage girls lined up for the autographs and the photos and these things. And whenever one of the boys would stand up and wave to assure the girls, no, we haven't left, the girls would all scream and squeal in delight.
0: It was like the Beatles had shown up or something. It was that kind of hysteria. Yeah. And then sure enough, when we go around that booth... There are all of these, again, 14-year-old-ish, you know, again, Derek's daughter's the right demographic.
1: Which is why she was able to explain to me that Vine was these six-second video clips in a social media website of some sort.
0: That explains Shatner's comment about six seconds. We don't know what to do with this in the entertainment industry. Who would? I mean, six seconds is nothing.
1: Yeah, and he was measuring out six seconds is just barely long enough to say, hi, how are you? End of video clip.
0: Well, for Shatner, six <laughs> seconds goes a lot, you know, yes. Le- you can, he puts in less sometimes. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, uh, after we'd walked the floor a bit and did a lot of that with Derek and stuff, it was fun hanging out with him and, and his daughter and such. Uh, we went off to go do some panels starting around noon. We did the panel for uh, James Marsters. James Marsters, who plays Spike on played Spike on Angel and Buffy. He was in Torchwood. He's been on Hawaii Five O. He's been on Supernatural. I mean, he's he's done a lot.
1: Uh, Warehouse thirteen. Yeah, was, was where we saw him most recently.
0: That's right. I'd forgotten about that. He was in there. Um, a very talented actor. I wanted to see the panel because I'd seen him. I think as far back as when we went to Dragon Con, mm. and he is an actor he knows the the shakespeare stuff he actually recited some of it at that dragon con i think and he gives thoughtful answers
1: he does in fact uh, i was taking some photos during the panel and trying to take candid photos during a panel like that You know, you're going to get a lot of blurry ones Mm -hmm. for starters, but you're also going to get some very strange expressions because a person is obviously in motion talking and stuff. But one of the photographs I got, he has his head screwed at this sideways angle and he looks positively perplexed and deep in thought. With his head turned to the side as he's genuinely puzzling over, how do I answer that? And it wasn't an actor acting moment. It seemed to be a genuine, I want to give a good answer moment.
0: He very much has that side to him of he's flat out. And I've seen him in a number of different situations like this sort of a panel. It's ask anything. He's not promising to answer. He'll give you an if he gives you an answer, he'll give you an honest one. You know, he's he's there for the fans in a very respectful way.
1: You know, he answered a whole obviously a whole series of questions. But some of the questions that I really enjoyed his answers to were when a middle school drama teacher asked Mm. him about, you know, what do I tell my students about stage fright? And he gave a very thoughtful answer about, of course you get stage fright. You're being stared at. People are studying you.
0: It's the animal fight or flight he was going into. He gives, that's it's part of why I like going to the panels he does, is he gives a deep, thoughtful, and it seems like almost off the cuff kind of response. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some of us he's thought about or whatnot. He's very articulate. He's I think incredibly smart based on the way he's answering these questions. He's got a good sense of humor about him. Um, he he comes off very well.
1: One of the questions that he was answering, and in the process he intrigued me greatly, was he was talking about when he played Buzz Aldrin in a movie. And he was explaining that the difference between his ah. generation and his son's generation is that he remembers the moon landing and mm-hmm. wanting to be an astronaut. And his son grew up in the Challenger generation.
0: He grew up with these guys that are finally conquering space and man can do anything versus his son growing up with essentially bureaucratic Snafu's blowing up a, a spaceship. A yeah. spaceship's uh, yeah, one of the shots. Yeah,
1: he grew up wanting to be an astronaut and having these great dreams of the great beyond and
0: NASA at its best. Yes. Whereas his son unfortunately witnessed NASA at its at its worst. Yeah. And that was a fluke for NASA. And it's you know, while we were sitting there listening to him talk about all this stuff. It's, I'm like, when did he play Buzz
1: Aldrin? Yes. Yes.
0: And you said, because you looked it up, it was Moonshot?
1: I believe that was the title, and it was 2009.
0: It was a History Channel production. It was, and
1: it's available on DVD, and I will definitely we be looking to, for to a pick copy. We need that
0: up, yeah, because he's a great actor. I've, I've loved everything I've seen him in. It was Smallville he was in as well. Um, he can take a, a small role and do quite a bit with it, have fun with it. He seems like a very professional actor. In mm-hmm. other words... He wouldn't waste a ton of time on the set necessarily, but he, he wouldn't be a pain to work with. He'd be fun, you know? Um, and he was talking about how Buzz Aldrin had seen his film and said, okay, you guys got it right. Because when like Ron Howard did Apollo 13 and stuff like that, they just needed some space in the capsule for shooting.
1: Yeah, because cameras are so large, and you have to build in that space to be able to put the camera into film. If you've ever gone on the old uh, Universal Studios tours, where they would show the houses that they had built to have room to film inside them, they would take what would be a normal house, a 10 by 10 room, and it was 15 by 15 because they needed those extra five feet to have room for the camera and the crew. Yeah. And that's the kind of situation that he was describing with these old capsules in those movies from 10 and 15 years before his was made had these extra five and 10 feet.
0: But because they were using new digital cameras for, for the one he did they could do the cramped sardine can kind of a situation Mm -hmm. and there was a certain aspect of his response that had a i'm going to suffer for my art both in a this is gonna be a little suffering but also in a this is the right thing to do it in a i am suffering for my art yes you know he as much he's very much a wanting to do the acting, and do that well. He takes his craft seriously. Yeah. And it shows, because again, he's fascinating to watch on on camera uh, and fascinating to listen to at these panels.
1: Well, and he was talking about the audiobooks he does for the Dresden Files and very much talking about in a manner that made it clear this is not something he does for a paycheck. This is something he does because he loves these books.
0: I'm sure he doesn't mind the paycheck, but he's a fan of the work. Agreed. And he was very clear that he's been doing this, I think, what, uh, 10 years? Yeah. B- because the books are still good. And that if they were not continuing to entertain him, he would he would move on.
1: Yeah, he was saying that... The abridged book, I think it was, when he's done and it comes out is four or five hours that the listener hears. Mm-hmm. And it takes him four nine-hour days in the studio four to record that. Four or five, that. I
0: think he said. I mean, that's a yeah. full work week for him. Yeah. And if if you're not liking the stuff and it's, oh, I've said this before, you know, kind of. Yeah. He was very clear. If, if he felt the plots were repeating redundant. themselves. Redundant. And he was like, "How is he gonna top in the, in the next book? How is he gonna? Oh, he goes inside. He goes personal. He, he's got a way of, of just showing it how passionate he is about this, and it's also clear how observant he is about story, about structure, about character growth." The uh, he talked about a, a movie that he and Josh uh, Wheaton had talked about doing a TV movie for for uh, Spike, and he's because. Josh at the time had, oh, just, you know, would you be interested type idea. I got a line or whatever. And he's like, well, actually, I've got this. And pitched a a story of Spike's redemption now that he has a soul. And he was clear, let's not retread what Angel's doing. And and he he goes through, here's what it was going to be, here's this, here's that. And how to take the same ground Angel the series spent five years covering for Spike to start it on that road in a very Spike way. And how to end the story on the right note, Mm -hmm. you know, to show what would be progress, but not, oh, he's redeemed, you know, kind of a – it showed, again, an understanding of story, of structure, of style.
1: And of character.
0: And of character. Um, He's writing – I think he's written – either writing or has written that story Mm -hmm. as a comic – so I need to, to check that out. Um, yeah,
1: it sounded like he completed and there are out two comics and another one coming from what I gathered.
0: I know he had done one before. I think the story he was talking about, they just started, maybe.
1: Interesting, yeah. We definitely need we to need look to into that. this.
0: I know he's been doing some stuff over at Dark Horse for that, and I know um, Nicholas Brennan, who played Xander, has been doing some stuff on Buffy.
1: Very interesting. It allows
0: them to continue with the characters and to take control of the characters. Yes. With josh's blessing and stuff it fascinating panel well worth checking out i wouldn't be surprised if somebody puts it up on youtube if wizard themselves don't
1: well and as the uh, moderator slash host said uh he did give some gifts to the internet yeah that there panel. were a couple
0: of things that were kind of funny uh, along those lines and that was again one where there was uh, a moderator there uh, to ask questions and to basically these things go to questions almost immediately
1: yeah which is a very interesting format uh, in terms of i'm used to san diego where they they have kind of a starting point they go for a while and then go to questions and this is more of an immediate to questions with a moderator who keeps it focused and keeps it going on track and well
0: and they've added this new frankly chat app where you can from your smartphone send in questions whether you're at the convention or not which I thought was interesting uh both in concept and kind of an execution there was a time or two where both I think uh, uh James Marsters and uh then the next panel Alan Tudyk were like ah they're not even in the room you know yeah although they could be
1: exactly exactly frankly,
0: I would find it more comfortable asking a question over this kind of a chat than do I got to get up on the mic when we going to freeze up when I ask the question and
1: Yeah I think I'd be more comfortable asking through the app and uh, I think it was entertaining to me at least when James Marsters realized that there was a disabled person near the front of the room who wanted to ask him a question and couldn't easily go back to where the mics were. So he just leapt down off the stage went over and offered his own mic.
0: He had a wireless mic he said I'll come to you. Yeah. He is very there for the fans so I Great thing! Glad I went. Very much appreciated that. Yeah. Um, we then stayed in the room through the the. They got about a fifteen minute break between panels, which I think is smart. Yes. Uh, they show a slideshow, which actually got a little redundant, but it had some trivia questions, ads for the booths, that kind of stuff. It was something that was a good use of the time, the screen, um, and just very productive. I'm surprised San Diego hasn't picked that up.
1: Yeah, it was nice promos for uh, the TV show Flash. For Guardians of the Galaxy. They had that
0: trailer, the Flash commercial, stuff for the CW. The CW had a booth. Stuff for a couple of different uh, booths there. Mm -hmm. Steve Jackson, uh, Hot Lids, I think it was, and a few others. So good commercial time while you're you're filling the room. Interspersed with a couple of trivia questions just to keep people watching. After that kind of 15-minute break, uh, Alan Tudyk's panel.
1: Yes, and he welcomed us to Tudyk Country.
0: Apparently, he is not only from this neck of the woods, he still has a lot of family in this neck of the woods. So he's like, don't tell them I'm here. You know, it's like he, he has a, a wonderful sense of humor, comes across as a bit of a clown, um, but a smart one at that. Not a not a not a fool by any stretch. And he's coming on stage. He's got this big shoulder bag. He's basically the minute he sets it down. It's like, and I brought stuff. He Didn't use the word stuff. A little more profane than that, but it was clear what he meant. Uh, And he's like pulling all kinds of stuff out of his bag. Everybody who asked a question got something. Autographed. Autographed. Be it, uh, in one case, a t-shirt for the upcoming Firefly game, a lot of script pages. He made sure people felt they came away with something for coming and asking a good question. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and I think that is an acknowledgement of... The courage it takes to get up at a microphone in front of a, r- in a room full of p- total strangers, yeah, and ask someone a question.
0: Well, it's funny because James Marsters seems to pay back with the "I'm going to give this serious thought, give you a serious, good answer, not just a quick quip or something." Yes, you ask a question, I, you know, and so forth. Alan not only does the same. He, but, James Marshers, I thought, gave the deepest answers. Yes. Alan gave some of the funniest. Yes. Uh, he's He's got a quick wit. He, he plays the crowd well without playing the crowd, if you know what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he jokes around, has a sense of humor. Uh, and again, the he had something for everybody. He's Both were very there for the crowd in very different ways. But again, trying to pay back the you came up, asked a question, you spent your time doing this.
1: They both have a definite appreciation for their fans and for where their fan base comes from. Appreciation and respect. Yes.
0: They do not take this for granted. And I mean, some of the stuff coming out of his mouth was just hilarious. Um, It was a a very fun, enjoyable panel.
1: I think it was James Marsters who made the comment that there are a lot of very good actors in Hollywood who simply haven't gotten the work, haven't gotten the break. And there are a lot of actors who recognize they're in the situation they are simply because they got that one lucky break.
0: Well, there's the getting work, and then there's the getting work that is that breakout role. Yeah. Both of these guys got that.
1: Yeah, and they both seem to appreciate that. And Alan Tudyk was saying that One of the things that he likes about the animated work and the voiceovers is that you aren't seeing him, you aren't seeing his face, and he can be the character actor again.
0: It's funny because I think both are very uh, serious about their craft in very different ways. Mm -hmm. I think Marsters is a little more thoughtful as to how does his character work, how, you know, gets into the mindset and, and, and searches for the character. Whereas Alan Tudyk very much made the comment of trying to escape into the character, get lost in the character, mm-hmm. become the just in a more uh, uh, not emotional sense or intuitive sense. Um,
1: Alan Tudyk made the comment that with one of the voiceover characters, he was very disappointed that the voice was very similar to his own natural voice.
0: Yeah, that it was a little too much him. Yeah. But how in another one where it's like, well, in, in this one he dances and he could kind of ad lib and basically the animators had to make happen what he was ad libbing. And he's like, I'm God. <laughs> he didn't say that, but it was very much what was going through his mind, I think. Yes, yes. I have control. He, uh, it's funny because those two, particularly back to back, both have worked for Joss Whedon both give very entertaining panels In very different ways, because Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't say that James Marsters was more serious or anything. No. But, or that, that, that Allen's lacked any sort of depth, because that's not true either.
1: No, I know what you're trying to say, yeah.
0: It's, when somebody had asked, you know, which character could you be or whatever, and he he mentioned how at one point Joss had been asked, and it might have been recently in San Diego last week, um what character would you unkill and kill another one in their place sort of thing and how Wash wasn't that character. And he's like, well, I'd have been down for Zoe die."
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: And I think he thought about it and realized Gina might have been upset. <laughs> yes. It it was fun. It was energetic. There was a good energy in the room. Um, they both give very good entertaining panels. Mm-hmm. So if you have the opportunity to... to go to a Wizard con or any other one they're at, and, and they have a panel there. It's well worth the time. Um, it goes straight to questions, but frankly, all of the questions that were asked in all three of the panels we went to, I thought were very good questions. They were. And for unmoderated questions, I was very pleased with yes.
1: that. Yeah, it was clear that everybody had thought through in advance what they wanted to ask. One or two people had notes with them to make sure they got through right. I noticed it, right? that too.
0: I thought that was yeah. smart. The fans came prepared. They came with their A-Game, too.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, and it, having been to San Diego Con for, for decades, it seemed like it was always, oh, geez, question and answer. When, oh, my gosh. Somebody's going to go drone on or whatever. No, none of that here.
1: Well, and one of the comments Alan Tudyk made when the uh, moderator uh, quipped, is this kind of the monkey dance for me question? Oh, because
0: he was asked to do one of the voices for a... Uh, Yes. One of the animated characters he did. And he's like, no, you know, with a a live action, they can see that you're you.
1: Yeah, and with a voiceover, they kind of look at you and they're like, but did that voice really come out of you? They're
0: they're never really sure until you do the voice for them.
1: Yeah, and he said, "I, I get that because you don't sound like that voice and they just find it so hard to believe when you sound so different at the moment. And he said, I totally get it. I would want a voice actor to sound it out for me too.
0: I forget when I heard this. It was at some convention. Some voice actor, I think it was in San Diego, one of the animated uh, voices panel ages ago.
1: I think I know what you're going to say, and it was.
0: For animaniacs, one of the guys was at Disneyland, Disney World, Disneyland, one of the two, goes up to a kid and he's like, I was the voice for this. He's like, Do the voice. He wasn't ready, did it okay, and the guy, I can do it better. And sure enough, the kid did. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, Damn. (laughs) Yes. Because I think his mom was there and trying to yes. show him. Yeah, it was. So the whole can you do the voice thing is a fair question. It was it was entertaining. Both of those great panels. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next one was also very good, but in a very different way.
1: Well, and I'm going to lead into this by saying William Shatner came out on crutches. Yes. And looked like he was in a little bit of pain and started off by saying he had been thrown from a horse twice in two weeks and later mentioned he'd been laid up in bed for a week.
0: Yeah, I think we got a very atypical William Shatner yes. panel uh, because it was just him on stage in a chair having gotten there on crutches. Um, and he seemed, I, I, what, he, he had to be on something for pain. Yeah. Uh, he seemed a little out there. He was explaining the whole being on crutches by starting like two or three horse rides ago before getting to where it was. And he's like, you know, it was a horse I've raised. Do I put him down because he's throwing riders now? What do I do? The whole thing started off on a very odd note about essentially euthanasia for animals almost.
1: It was a very somber beginning. But I will say when you consider this was in Texas. Yes. In an area full of people. Yes, that's fair. With, I want to say, you know, a horse background.
0: There is probably a lot more people aware of horses here than, let's say, uh, Portland, uh, Sacramento, uh trying to th- Chicago yeah, yeah. Uh, other places wizards going this year yeah uh, has gone this year I
1: mean I would think that this is a very horse aware and horse friendly uh crowd
0: I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms but and then he was talking about a dog yeah the owner. It, it started off on a very kind of odd note and there were a couple of other times in the course where he seemed to to I don't want to say be rambling but going a little far field always every time pulls it right back on focus and, and it's it's like he's, he's not quite circling the question, answering it and then doubling back on it and coming very interesting.
1: Yeah, he caught himself each time, he pulled himself back and every time he got to the end of what he was 99% sure was the right answer to the question or had accomplished answering the question, he asked basically, is that okay?
0: Well and yeah, not only did he do that, on the first question he was asked, it was a kid essentially asking, what's it like to be an actor?
1: Yeah, and... But,
0: but asked it in a, what was your experience like when you were shooting and all of this, kind of a vague, and he's like, he, he wasn't sure what the kid wanted, isn't he? Uh, was asking.
1: Well, and because the kid was asking, what is it like... Being an actor doing live action versus was it like being an actor doing voice work? Right. And it was a very convoluted and difficult asking of the question for someone who was not at 110%. Well, not only
0: that, but also for somebody who is known for... Star Trek, live action. Yes. T.J. Hooker, live action. Twilight and Zone, live action.
1: T.J. Hooker got brought up at the panel.
0: Almost every show the guy's been on was brought up, I Except think. Boston Legal. Except Lew. Boston Legal. But for somebody who has done predominantly live action, yes, he did the voiceover for the Star Trek animated and maybe a few other things here and there. It's not most of what he does. So I think that was also not the sort of question he was expecting. Yeah. Whereas Alan Tudyk, who does a lot of voiceover, same question same delivery would have okay i can go with this yes it was a bit of a what are you asking and why situation yes but but like you said every time he he gave a really good answer really good story some anecdotal some some something entertaining
1: and he's a good storyteller
0: oh very good uh but then uh, did that give you what you wanted giving him a chance of but i really wanted this and nobody did yeah Uh, At least not that I recall.
1: No, everyone seemed happy with what they got. And uh, one guy who was wearing a New Orleans Fire Department shirt had gone up Mm. and kind of helped him out and clarified, you know, earlier you alluded to uh, your horse charity work out in California. And I was hoping you would also talk about a charity fundraiser that you did involving paintball And he tells
0: this great story about this charity thing he did.
1: And he couldn't remember the name of one of the people involved. And when he said, you know, is that what you were hoping for? Is that okay? The uh, guy who had asked the question offered the name. He's like,
0: yeah, Tom will never forget that or whatever. Kind of, oh yeah. And he's like, it was was good because great story I hadn't heard before. Entertaining. And it's so... In many respects sums up Shatner's character
1: yes it was a Both. fantastic story and I I hope a video of that makes it up onto YouTube
0: yeah uh, well and he was also telling about how he did uh, a tour for something that was just the wrong audience at the wrong time that was an answer to the kids what's it like to be an actor question
1: yeah and that was fascinating because he was talking about an actor's worst nightmare which is something that a lot of actors don't talk about.
0: But we got some of that from James Marsters on the stage right there.
1: Yeah, and it's very interesting. And at that point, I think the moderator was saying, you know, that's a question we haven't gotten before. But it's very interesting to hear these actors talk about not just the the high points in the adrenaline rush, because I'll often refer, especially to San Diego Comic-Con, as the rock star moment. For a lot of these actors who so often really only have those 75 crew members giving them feedback. And then suddenly they're in front of this crowd of at San Diego, a maximum of 6,500 people in the room today. Shatner had, oh, I can't even ballpark, but less than a thousand people.
0: Maybe fifteen hundred.
1: Maybe 1,500? I don't know. I didn't
0: really get a good sense of how big the room was. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, to Yeah, I, was- I should have. Uh, there were three rows of seats. Each row of seat had easily probably about a dozen, ten to a dozen chairs. There were probably fifty rows in the front section, again, and back. Maybe so. Yeah,
1: it was a good sized room, but I mean, these are their rock star moments, and. They're great moments for them, but they don't often talk about the flip side of it. Well, and
0: again, similar questions getting asked to the different actors, very different responses. And the tone of each panel very much reflects the individual actors. Oh, yeah. And when you've got somebody particularly like William Shatner, who was getting asked questions about his recent work on Psych in the last couple of years, his work on The Twilight Zone much earlier in his career. I mean, it was stuff covering decades. I mean, like half a century or whatever. And he had good answers for all of that, including the stuff going back to the Twilight Zone and stuff.
1: Well, um, with regards to the Twilight Zone, he had been trying to work out why does something I did so long ago still resonate with the audience?
0: Well, and I found his answer about how Sterling had hit the universal aspects, fear of flying, fear of this, or, you know, those mm-hmm. aspects uh that, that make it so identifiable particularly in light of the current twilight zone comic book series that has some of the same aspects but not that universality mm. to at least the extent that that oh i see it you know kind of a deal they're only on their second arc this is written by straczynski mm. um who had written for the second twilight zone and such Maybe yeah yeah i think starting with that one um and the first one had the if you wanted to become somebody else and escape your fate kind of a universal theme the second one not so much but but chatner thinks about what he has done tries to to get to that deeper meaning um
1: well and he was saying the reason that he remembers so clearly his work on psych whereas you know he has done a lot of acting over the years and it can be easy to let individual scripts and projects kind of melt away and forget But with Psyche, he had a scene where he meets grandkids he didn't know he had. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that he was allowed to do some ad-libbing. And he got to actually imagine, well, hey, what would that be like?
0: Again, the, the actor getting lost in the character aspect. Yes. So, again, it was a very interesting panel. There was some odd depths to it in places that I wasn't expecting the whole what's going on with the horse story. And, you know, it, it was all highly relevant. It was well told. It was moving. Yes. And there were a couple of things where it was a little lighthearted and stuff. It was, again, very different tone than the two panels before it. Very entertaining. I don't think I've ever seen Shatner live
1: I have now. This was my first time. He was in Austin last year, but I wasn't able to make it to his panel.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't think I did either.
1: And that goes back to my statement earlier of why I want to be able to go to two wizard cons when they're near enough. Well, and that's part
0: of what makes these shows so great is every one of the actors they bring gets their spotlight panel. Yes. If we were to go tomorrow on Sunday as we record this, and this will go up afterwards, so in the past, so it's probably available on YouTube as you listen. Uh, Dean Cain has a panel
1: yeah and I am sorry that we are unable to make it to that I have a great respect for not just his uh, Lois and Clark work but he's done some excellent TV movies in the past five ten years Uh, and even
0: some going a little further back than that
1: yeah and I just I wish he got more attention for these TV movies he's done because they are just so good
0: he he's a really good actor. Um, I've watched a number of these things too. He's got some range. He's he's one that had a really good role with Lois and Clark, but enough people have played Superman, and it's not the breakout role Spike was for for James Marsters or Wash or Alpha even for uh, Alan Tudyk, Kirk T J Hooker Denny Crane for for uh, William Shatner. I think there's still the need for for Gene Kane to really hit that one role that's a bit more unique than Superman that really gives him that that chance to really shine cuz he's mm-hmm. very talented. Um that would be the one I would go to tomorrow if we went but again, we've been on the road for 2 weeks. We're just na- we're recording this at my house the first time I've seen it in in 2 weeks uh with with the car unloaded into it. Um So we did all of those panels and then walked the floor again. And again, Mm -hmm. the nice thing about this size convention is you've got the time to scope out all the booths to, you know, see what there is to see, buy what there is to buy. um, And not just, oh, my God, there's how many, you know, square acreage of of panels or of of booths and stuff. Uh, San Diego, I love that. But it comes at the cost of I don't go to as many panels here. I can go to the panels because there aren't so many booths.
1: Well, San Diego, it takes at least a day to really give the exhibit hall the time to see everything. And today we were able to hit three panels and to go through the entire exhibit hall. Um it has smaller artist alley, I think, than Capital C Comic Con. Capital
0: City had a big one. Austin Comic Con last year had a pretty big one.
1: It did. It did. Um,
0: this this was probably the smallest artist alley I've seen in a while. Um, it was good. It had some name people.
1: I was gonna uh, say Ethan
0: Van Sciver, uh, uh, Arthur Soydam. How am I getting his name wrong? And anyway, the guy who does the zombie covers. Um,
1: and Tony Santiago had a booth, so we got to admire his work again. That which was I'm...
0: somebody we saw over at the uh, the Capital City Comic Con.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the other stuff that was there, uh, Terry Huddleston, uh, who's got a, a page over on Deviant Art. Um, I don't know if we saw him in either San Diego or uh, Capital City, but he does uh, face shot uh, art of you know the DC heroes. Of the Marvel Heroes. He had some really good ones of the the Power Rangers and such. So I was tempted by some of his stuff. I need to check out his DeviantArt page, which is uh T Huddleson dot dot com and that's uh, thuddlesto T H U D D L E S T O N dot dot com. Um again, nice stuff. Uh the other one that was interesting was the uh to dot org Yes. There are uh, two people, it's uh, Oliver and Terry uh, Holler, who have basically rebuilt the DeLorean. From
1: Back to the Future.
0: Rebuilt a DeLorean for Back to the Future. And what's really cool is not only are they doing stuff promoting the movie and all that, um, but they're doing it uh, towards the Team Fox, uh, Michael J. Fox Foundation, which is driving for a cure for, for Parkinson's
1: yeah they were raising money uh twenty dollars for a photo using your camera or i believe they had one available uh to take a digital photo for you uh ten dollars for additional people in the photo and raising money for such a great cause
0: yeah they uh very much are fans of the film and i think that the way they've they've set that up for the cause is just so cool um
1: Yeah, and talking about uh, good causes getting brought up, uh, Alan Tudyk had a Nerd HQ t-shirt, I believe it was. I
0: thought that was really cool. Not only did he have it, uh, which he had worn and was signing and giving away, so it's like, yeah, okay. Um, But he he basically, for those who don't know what Nerd HQ was, he was going on. This is what Zach Levi from Chuck has done. This is the Smile, uh, Operation Operation Smile. Smile stuff. Uh, and just he seemed very pleased with how much money they had been raising for that
1: yeah for those uh operations to uh, the, for cleft clef pallets yeah
0: so you know the fact that he was promoting that at another venue and such very much supportive of uh of that i thought was really cool uh and again zach levi for doing that i think that's awesome
1: yeah
0: um that's something i need to get more kind of in the loop on of what's going on with that and kind of support that better because i think it's a, a great cause and again having actually made it to nerd hq in san diego this year um mm-hmm. but with with the wizard shows if it's in your neck of the woods i think it's definitely worth going to
1: i wanted to mention two other artists oh, okay. that we saw um we saw rob Pryor, yeah who had some excellent art and then uh, amanda toleson was the one where i saw the spock
0: right right
1: and uh, there was also a sherlock profile that was if, beautifully done
0: if you go to one of these shows definitely walk around the booth walk around artist alley there were a couple of things that is just, just you know these guys have some real talent mm. i was also tempted to buy uh, uh one of the artists in the artist alley i forget which one i should have written it down
1: we should have gotten a card i know you're thinking of all 14 doctors aren't you
0: it's yeah it's the one that had the the doctor who line up it had everything from the original doctor through to the new uh Peter Capaldi one, which will be on air soon, it included the war doctor. It looked like it also had I guess the master and for fifteen bucks, it's like, you know if I don't really have anywhere to showcase that kind of a thing is the the deal, I'd get it. I'd put it somewhere and it would sit, yeah, um, but it was really nice uh and and well worth w- worth getting um
1: yeah there was just a lot i mean it was a smaller Sally, but there was a lot of beautiful art that just made me stop and do a double take and go wow
0: yeah yeah
1: and that's one of the things i love about all of these conventions is that opportunity to to stop and do that double take well
0: and again uh- in my room here, we're in my living room. I've got a little bit of wall space above the mantle. But that's really about it as so far as where would I hang something yeah. like that to, to really be able to see it, view it, and enjoy it. Um, other people have a lot better places more conducive to that. Yes. Um, well worth worth checking out. A lot of these guys do uh, commissions and stuff like that too. Different Different style of show than uh, San Diego, Wizard World, or uh, C2E2 even. And it comes down to, there's, there's San Diego, I guess New York's about this size, there's the, oh my god, it's huge convention, where it just takes over a city. There is something like the Wizard Show, either in Austin or San Antonio, or the other cities they do it in. Regional show, big, worth going from a city or two over for. Definitely. Derek came down from Dallas. I think it's well worth that kind of a, a commute uh, if it's not coming closer. I never made it to the Dallas one because it was more of a drive than I'd be willing to make. And at the time, I didn't have a clean weekend to do it. I was always podcasting on Saturday mornings. Um, so that would have made it hard. And, of course, he got up at, what, 5 a.m.?
1: Yeah, 5 a.m. to drive down to oh. be there when it started at 10.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's dedication. But he's also going to be on a panel tomorrow, which I think is awesome. Yes. Again, Derek's a great guy over at the Comics Alternative. Uh, we also did dinner with him and his daughter afterwards. Ton of fun. Enjoyed spending the day with them. Uh, really uh, good conversation there. There are also, again, shows like the uh, the Capital City one, which are very much city shows, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not a big thing. It's not... Again, not a regional touring show like like Wizard. Um,
1: Well, and Capital City was very much a comic book and creator show. Wizard is more of a popular culture show. I
0: I was curious about Capital City in terms of will it be competing with Wizard when it's in Austin or not. And having seen the the San Antonio Wizard uh, so close to the Capital City one, they have certainly some overlap but wizard is just a great pop culture convention it's certainly got a, a decent comic focus mm-hmm. but certainly not comics exclusive you've got jason david frank from power rangers you've got shatner you've got the celebrities you've got the artists you've got the the toy company not the companies but uh, uh, exhibitors and such There's really something for everybody, I think, at a wizard show.
1: You've got a crowd where someone comes cosplaying as Allison from Orphan Black, and someone in the crowd comes rushing over to say, I get who you're cosplaying as, and I love it, and I just had to tell you.
0: There was a fair amount of cosplay, some of which was blatantly obvious, a few of which were I think he's dressed up, but I'm not entirely sure either of who or if, you know. There mm-hmm. was one, that, and we were by the DeLorean, so I should have been much more certain than I was, that looked like Marty McFly with the, the inflated kind of puffy vest. Uh.
1: Well, and part of what made the cosplay a little challenging for me at first was I forgot that uh, San Antonio has one of the uh, training for the military Oh, uh, cadet centers.
0: I saw enough in uniform that I was pretty sure they were legit.
1: Yeah, once I saw my fifth or sixth, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: But there were some some excellent costumes at these things.
1: There was. There was quite a bit of cosplay and very nicely done. And they had a backdrop where people could pose for photos.
0: I will say at Wizard World San Antonio, my favorite one of the day was when we were between panels in the room. And uh, in front of us was a a guy dressed up as Deadpool. His, I guess, younger brother. Kid had to be 14-ish, give or take. 12? Probably 12. 12 probably, actually. He had taken a dark long sleeve shirt, was wearing it inside out, had put a little blue kind of little epaulet thing on both shoulders, and a blue uh, Nightwing bird logo on the front. And it's like... Damned, if that's not the, I don't want to say the simplest, because it certainly wasn't trivial, but it's its inventive, it's, its to me that's, a, 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 there's a purity to that cosplay. Mm-hmm. He is clearly a Nightwing fan, he's not, oh my god, I can make this absolutely screen perfect realism, and don't get me wrong, I love costumes, that, is that walked off the set quality.
1: But it was the, I want to get to cosplay like my older brother and I can figure this out.
0: It was that, it was the, I like this character.
1: Yes, it was a purity of love.
0: Yeah, it it showed the passion for the the material.
1: Well, and my favorite uh, photo of cosplay, and I'm not a big fan of the photo bubbles, but I did love seeing Thing One up on Beast's uh, arm and shoulder.
0: There was a guy dressed up as, as the Beast, blue fur and whatnot and there were a number of people because this is awful little ways from the convention in the convention center oh can we get your photo and he's oh yeah and there's this again this kid uh dressed up as thing one which i'm not sure what that's from
1: i recognize thing one but i cannot place it to save my life
0: there's enough stuff out there to cosplay these days that uh i feel a lot more culturally illiterate than i used to at these conventions yes i i actually had to ask in san diego uh about one of the logos, which turned out to be Attack on Titan, which uh, Derek's daughter, Zoe, actually knew quite about. Uh, but it's just not something that hit my radar. And again, that's what's so wonderful about all of these conventions is there is something for everybody. If you're into live-action television or movies, if you're into animated stuff, if you're into comics, if you're into science fiction, if you're into to, to board games, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: prose novels... There's something out there for everybody. Yeah. And Wizard, I think, is doing a, a great thing by bringing this to so many cities. I think so, too. Because, I mean, yes, we can make it out to San Diego. Yes, we made it this year to Chicago for C2E2. We're going to make it up to Toronto for uh, for Fan Expo. But most years, we just go to San Diego and, well, now Austin because it's coming to us. Mm-hmm. Um. There are a lot of people. It's hard to take the time off from work. It's hard to, to clear off that much of a schedule or whatever.
1: Well, and to be honest, if we hadn't had San Diego as our local Comic-Con back in high school.
0: If we hadn't grown up it at, at, uh, with San Diego Comic-Con, yeah, I...
1: I mean, that's how we got started on it. That's how we got hooked on it. That's why it's our annual tradition.
0: Yeah, we're coming back home to that to a degree. Yeah. Versus, you know, why I've never been to New York, why it took this long to get to Chicago.
1: Yeah.
0: Or Toronto, for that matter. It's hard to justify a trip to another city mm-hmm. for a convention you've never been to.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like I'm going to San Diego for Comic-Con. I feel like I'm going home to San Diego. Yeah. And I go to Comic-Con while I'm home in San Diego.
0: Well, and for people who haven't been to conventions or don't go to many I would definitely say start out at a local convention if there is
1: one definitely
0: in Austin uh, that would be the the capital city con now Austin uh, comic-con the Wizard World 1 or staple depending what city you're in there's going to be different ones of different sizes
1: well and one of the interesting answers that James Marsters gave to a question Was He was asked of all the cities he's gone to for conventions and to work, which was his favorite, a question to that effect. And he said, you know, not word for word, but the way he seemed to parse out the question was, well, since I'm working when I go to these cities, basically what you're asking me is, did the city have a comfortable bed?
0: Did it have a bed? Uh, There were like four things, and it's basically, what would you do if you're working in a city? You're going to sleep, you're going to eat, you're you're, going to go to the convention center, and, you know, whatever. It was a very pragmatic answer, and he was very clear. It's to, you know, he's been to Paris twice, and he's seen none of it because he's working.
1: Yeah, the Eiffel Tower was not out his window from his hotel room, so he has not seen the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Uh, he would love to be able to say, yes, I love your city. I've seen it all and it's wonderful. But what I can honestly tell you is I have worked in your city and I am grateful that you have invited me to work in your city.
0: I slept. I ate. I did what I needed to do. I'm happy. Thank you. You know. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it was a very interesting and honest answer.
0: Well, again, uh, we saw more of Chicago than I think a lot of people do when they go to that convention, more of San Diego because we grew up there. Um, we saw a little of San Antonio today, but we've been there before. When you go to another city for a convention, you're going for the convention, not the city.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that people need to be reminded of and need to think of. Yeah. Um, We saw Chicago because we went to C2E2 with friends who live in Chicago who were aware if they didn't show us Chicago, we wouldn't see it. And Part of why we saw some of San Diego while we were out there is because I had it in my mind. I want to see a place I remember fondly from when we lived there. I want to take our friends who don't have exactly. never our lived Exactly. friends here. from
0: Chicago were there. It's like, let's show them some of our city or the yes. city we were in. But, you know, it's one of those things, different size conventions. There's, there's city, regional, and, and, you know, oh my God, it's huge. Work your way up. Yes. Go to something like a city one that you spend a couple hours at, cost a couple of bucks, pay, maybe you find stuff, maybe you don't, but they're usually pretty fun, pretty cool.
1: And you decide know? if you want one that is focused on comic books or is focused on popular culture. Yeah,
0: figure out, do you want the celebrities, do you not? What are you going there for and why? Because that way you can pick the right convention, have a good time. Work your way, I mean, once you've done maybe a local one, or just go straight to like a, a, a wizard con. They're in enough different cities. They're easy to get to. They go for a couple of days. It's a, there's a lot you can do there. And if you don't have a lot of time, you don't have to spend a lot of time there. You can cover, if you plan your time well, most of it in, in a surprisingly succinct amount of time, uh, depending on where the panels are you want to hit. I really recommend, if you haven't gone to a wizard show, do that before you go to like a San Diego, a C2E2, a New York... One of these, oh my gosh, it's huge conventions, even Dragon Con these days. Yeah. Get a sense of what a convention is like. Yeah. Where you can actually get to see the vendors, can walk around comfortable. I mean, they have huge aisles at, at the Wizard one we were at today. Easy to walk around uh, uh, and navigate, not get lost.
1: It was a very comfortable convention.
0: It's it Yeah, it's, it's digestible.
1: Yeah, a very enjoyable experience.
0: Whereas, again... Some of these other ones are a bit more of a marathon. Work your way up to that. Mm -hmm. Run a small race before doing the whole marathon thing. Uh, And again, uh, Wizard brings great people uh, to these shows. They give them a chance to to shine in their own panel. Autograph sessions, you can get to to talk to them there and stuff. A lot of good vendors, good artist alley and stuff. Uh, Well worth going to.
1: Yeah, I totally agree
0: i'm I'm very much looking forward to the austin wizard world uh in october that is going to be uh, october 2nd 3rd and 4th that's a thursday friday saturday convention which is unusual mm-hmm. um but it's also i think mainly afternoons on thursday friday so i don't need to take the mornings off from work and that that'll certainly help um But, yeah, definitely looking forward to that, seeing who they're going to bring, seeing what the panels and stuff are. Mm -hmm. So, well worth going, definitely worth attending.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Anything else? Does that pretty much do it?
1: I think that does it.
0: Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.